you know, there's something really special when the anointing of the Holy Spirit falls on us in such a way that young young people, it's not just young for young people, but when young people get touched, that has to encourage every one of us that uh, you know, the, the culture and the world will tell us that young people want nothing to do with faith or Jesus or church. And it's such a myth. It's such a myth. It's a falsehood. It's a deception. And we're blessed. We're just blessed to have so many young people who are hungry. As I looked over at one point during worship and just saw Trey. Just Trey just surrendered. Those moments are so precious. And we adults can learn a lot. We can learn a lot. All right, this is for such a time as this part two. Uh, you know, I, when I started this last week, when I put it together last week, I didn't know there was a part two until I was going over my notes last uh, weekend before Sunday. And last week, if you weren't here, uh, for those uh, who weren't here, it was just pretty much a a lesson in in photos of 99 days of opening our doors for uh, the Norfolk Southern Family Assistance Center. And and I tied it to our word for uh, this year, which was invite the stranger, and just kind of went through uh, went through uh, segments of the of life that we we got to invite. Uh, who were the strangers, and the strangers were the people of uh, of East Palestine and the, and the surrounding communities who came in here to receive something. We have a couple sitting right here, the crowds who are who I, I, we met through through that. They're sitting right here in the middle, and we're so grateful that you're here today. Uh, we we got to just rub elbows with a lot of people that we just got to speak life to and encourage and in some cases pray for. And you saw slides showing that just especially early on, just the crowds and crowds of people that were here and what a joy it was and how the Lord knew in advance, you know, what he was speaking to us, invite the stranger uh, in January. And then strangers just came by the, by the droves into this building. And and, uh, and and then we got to got to minister to some of the people from the railroad and from the claims company and, and uh, you know for again 99 days we had relationship with these people and still do They're, they've moved into a smaller headquarters and we've I, Connie and I made our way over there I know Mark and Cat were over there one day this week just to say hello see who's there this week uh, the media we we're inundated with people from the media uh, here we got to build some relationships with people from the media that were strangers to us, and now they are no longer. And then there were just random people that came to help, that came to volunteer, came to bring something to us that we now have a relationship with. So that was pretty much last week's lesson, 99 days of just uh, reaching out to people and inviting strangers. And as I was going over those notes <clears throat> last weekend, uh, the Holy Spirit just showed so clearly that this was a test. This was a test. And you know, we celebrated our 40th uh, anniversary this year as a church, and you know, 40 years is so significant when it comes to to um, trials and testing, and and when you come out of that period of time, what's next for you? And so, it wasn't an accident when the Lord said this was t- a time of testing for us, and 
um, again, you know, you, you put out a word and the Lord means it when he gives us a word. And then he's like, okay, here's, a, here's a, going to be a test of four months of inviting strangers. What are you going to do with this? How are you going to, how are you going to, going to do this every single day? And see, we're, we're only halfway through the year now. We're not even halfway through the year yet. And so we still have, you know, another half a year of inviting strangers or whatever that looks like. And we don't even know what that looks like completely. We didn't know what it looked like on January uh, 5th or 6th or whatever it was when I unveiled that word. And so this has been a time of testing. And, and so as I prayed about that and uh, just asked him, show me what, what specific tests were, were involved with that. And one of the first things he showed me was, uh, you know, our slogan, our slogan is rooted, established, and love. Rooted comes from Ephesians, the passage of Ephesians, where Paul was praying and praying that the people would grasp the love of Jesus, how deep it was, how wide it was, how far-reaching it was. Uh, and so this word, uh, rooted and established in love, paired with, invite the strangers, paired with 99 days of strangers coming into our building. If we're rooted and established in love, what's the first thing we have to show? Love. It's not just a nice saying. It's something that has to flow out of us. It's not something we put on. It's not something we can manipulate. It's not something we can fake. And so when we're called to a challenge like that and have these thousands of people, I believe that the last count uh, before, they, before they moved on from here, there were more than 9,000 families That's a lot of people that we had the privilege, had the honor of just rubbing elbows with, of smiling, of saying hello, of what do you need? What can we do for you? So it was a test. It was a test of do we mean what we say? Do we mean, do we know who we are? Do we know who we are? Do we know what we're called to do and, and be? We know from Scripture that we're tested all the time. There's all kinds of Scriptures, and I'm gonna, just going to share a couple of them. Of course, anybody has read the book of Job. Job cries out, what is a man that you make so much of him, that you give him so much attention, that you examine him every morning and test him every moment? But would you ever just personalize that? Be careful, if, be careful, but every moment, every moment, but what is man that you make so much of us? And he does. He makes so much of us. He loves us so much. He cares so much for us. And he knows every one of us by name. He knows everyone's situation. He knows everybody's struggle. What's man that you make so much that you test us? Because he's constantly molding and shaping us into his likeness. That's his desire is to mold and shape us into his likeness. And then James tells us this, consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. And boy, do we need perseverance. We need to persevere because there's struggles in life, there's challenges, there's difficulties. But he gives us everything we need to persevere. Everything we need. 
So, I don't have this up here, but in John chapter 16, Jesus is telling his, talking to his disciples about the fact that he's going to be leaving. And he says, I'm going to be sending you the advocate, the Holy Spirit, to you. But I have to go. I have to go be with my Father. I have to go. And he, t- and he tells them that in this world you're going to have trouble. That's why I'm sending you the advocate. That's why I'm sending you the Holy Spirit. Because in this world you're going to have trouble. So you're going to need this assistance once I'm gone. But he says in the, in the midst of it all we can have peace because he's overcome the world. In this world you'll have trouble, but in the midst of the trouble... You can have peace because I've overcome the world and you have me via the Holy Spirit when I send him. So then he moves into this amazing prayer in John 17. And this is kind of the back, the backdrop. I don't know why, where all the clicking is coming from, but <clears throat> this is the backdrop for this test. This is the backdrop for this 99 days of testing. This, this prayer in John chapter 17 is not new to many of us around here. We've taught this before. This was a part of a class I taught years ago called With One Heart. And in John 17, Jesus talks about these people that he's praying for, and the first group of people that he's praying for is his disciples. And so we're, that's us in this prayer. This is us in this, in this prayer. This is, this is the, those of us who are, are his disciples now. I pray for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those you have given me, for they are yours. All I have is yours, and all you have is mine. The glory has come to me through them. I will remain in the world no longer, but they are still in the world. And I am coming to you, Holy Father. Protect them by the power of your name, the name you gave me, so that they may be one as we are one. That was his prayer for his disciples. That's his prayer for us, that we may operate in such a way that we represent the oneness, the unity, the continuity between Jesus and the Father. And that's a pretty strong assignment. It's a pretty, pretty big task. That he wants you and I to be one as he and the Father are one. Because their love, their oneness was perfect. That was his, that's his prayer. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world. Isn't this a go against sometimes our thinking? Lord, get me out of here. Lord, get me out of this mess. Lord, just get me out of here. I'm ready to come home with you. Have I ever cry that out? I'm sure we have. But his, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They're not of the world, even as I'm not of the world. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you've sent me into the world, I've sent them into the world. Do we grasp the fact that we've been sent? That we've been sent. That Abundant Life was sent to New Waterford, Ohio to be established here. We were sent. And he says sanctify them. It's not an accident that two years ago our word was set apart. set apart, preparing us for a work two years later to invite strangers. 
For them I sanctify myself that they too may be truly sanctified. And then he moves on in his prayer. My prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message that all of them may be one. Just If if you've never seen this verse, I know many of you have, but if you've never seen this verse, get a hold of it. So he's praying for ones that don't know him yet, ones that are apart from him, who will come to know him because of the message we send. Those who will believe in me through their message. What's our message? Jesus loves you. Jesus forgives you. Jesus cares for you. Jesus is the answer to every problem you'll ever have. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you sent me. So for 99 days, we got to love and care for people so that we can send a message that the world might believe that Jesus was sent by the Father to love them, to forgive them. They might have a place in eternity in heaven. I have given them the glory they gave you, that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them. So not only are you and I in the body together one, but the ones that don't even know you yet, when they come to know you, will be one with us. I in them and you in me so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So for 99 days, we got the privilege of functioning in a way that hopefully demonstrated the unity, the oneness between Jesus and the Father in a way that Someone believe the message. Someone may believe the message that Jesus loves you. That Jesus forgives you. That apart from him, we can do nothing. So as I was thinking of, okay, Lord, how is this a test? And I, one of my first thoughts was, okay, so we have... Staff members, myself, I'm senior pastor. We have Pastor Mark and Kat. We have Vicki Shell, who's our housekeeper, and we have Keith Candle, our maintenance guy. So we're here every day, pretty much every day. So honestly, this starts with us. It starts with the five of us. And the Holy Spirit showed me that so clearly that for 99 days, this started with us because we're here. And if Mark and I had been picking at one another and saying, Mark, you go do that. Or Mark, you did that wrong. Or if Kat and Vicky had been feuding, or if, if, if it had looked anything different than what these scriptures command us, they would send an entirely different message. Say, why would I ever want to be part of that kingdom? Why would I ever want to be part of So there, there were demands put on us, obviously. Demands put on us to to demonstrate, to lead, to 
you know, we, and we didn't know when we started. We, we just said, we're here as long as you need us to be here. We didn't know if it was going to be, we figured it was going to be longer than a couple of weeks, but we didn't know it was going to be 99 days or whatever that was going to take. And we said, you're here, we're here as long as you need us to be. Not necessarily having any idea what all that might look like. But the reality is, and, and this is kind of like life, you know, the longer you hang out with people, the more you get to know them. And sometimes as you get to know them, you're like, oh, I didn't know that was part of you, Julie. No, you're just sitting right here, so you, you, you took the risk of sitting right here in front of me today. But we get to know one another, and we get to see, you know, we see flaws. And But the reality is we're called every day to walk in the Spirit. And, I mean, I made a determine a long time ago in my life with Christ, and he taught me this pretty early in my walk with Christ at age 20, to spend time with him every day. Don't ever try to rely on your own strength. Don't ever try to... And I know, I know that there was no way we could serve this assignment 99 days in our own strength. Because if we had, it would look a mess. Because we're human beings and we fall short. So it started with us, and then you add the volunteers. You add the volunteers, and we had a great group of volunteers that came to work different shifts because there were lots of people who needed to be served, and there were so many people came to help. You add them to the equation. So interactions among the volunteers with us and other people, and people are paying attention. They are paying attention. And then you add to the equation other events that were going on during these 99 days. Chili cook-off, Bob Cato benefit, all manner of classes, pantry, all kinds of things going on. EEC, school going on, all kinds of things going on, and you get more people involved. I was talking to, to uh, one, of the, one of the railroad guys this week over at the, over at the new place, and he said, you know, when I saw you guys doing all those other things in the middle of all this and saw how you functioned, that just like blew my mind, blew my mind that you were, that you just didn't cancel some of those things, that you just didn't, and that it all just worked. And it was part of the test. It was part of the test. How do you manage when more demands are put on you? How do you manage? How do you function? Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. Only by the power of the Holy Spirit. It's only, only by His power. Doing something together every day for 99 days can reveal things about who we are. Hey, doing something for a day, hey, we can be on our best behavior. A week, maybe still be on our best behavior. But for a long haul, 
for a long haul, and I believe it was a test to say, you think this is something, wait till the other assignments I have coming for you, the demands I'm going to put on you. Don't try it by yourself. Don't rely on your own effort. One of the first ways you pass a test, die to yourself. Die to yourself. Die to yourself. Throw off your own agendas. Throw off your own opinions. Throw off your own thoughts, your own. Surrender them to Jesus. Romans 12, 1 and 2 talks about this. It's familiar to us. It's not an unknown scripture. I urge you, brothers, if you have God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy, pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Familiar passage. We know it. We know it. We know it. We know it. It came into, came into play in these 99 days. But it's not like we just suddenly decided to do this. We didn't just suddenly wake up on February 6th and say, oh, we're opening our doors up to strangers, so we're going to deny ourselves. We're going to renew our minds. No, we live like this. This is how we get to live. We get to live this way. We get to. Because Jesus made a way for us to do it, and our response to him is yes. Our response to him is yes. So we didn't just start this. He's been working this in us, preparing us all along. I have written on my notes, because I remember when we first started doing August Overflow. And I remember during those early years, I used to invite people, come on the property. Come on the property in advance of August Overflow and just walk the property, because we knew we'd have lots of people coming in during that event. And for those who don't know, August Overflow is, a, is an event we do once first Saturday in August, and we invite people here, and we pass out school supplies, and we make food on the grill, and, and, uh, and we pass out clothing, and uh, we have bounce houses, and uh, the Second Harvest Food Bank's here. So we, it's a whole day event of outreach into the community. I remember inviting people to come and just pray over the property, and I remember saying, the only way we get to do August Overflow is because there's something that we have to, that fl- can flow out of us. And if we don't have it to flow out of us, it's just going to be an event that will produce nothing. So what we have to pour out of us comes from what Romans talks about. Being bowed down to Jesus, being pressed into him, hanging out with him, spending time with him, reading his word, praying, worshiping, whatever that all looks like to each of us. But it's out of that place that we get to serve. And it's out of that place that we got to serve for 99 days. And if we tried to do it any other way, if we tried to ever do anything any other way, it will lead to frustration. It will lead to criticism. It will lead to all kinds of things that are less than what he has for us. And so for 99 days, this was a test. Because what's in us is going to flow out of us. 
And if there's a lot of anger in me, that's what's going to flow out of me. If there's a lot of frustration in me, that's what's going to flow out of me. If there's a lot of anxiety in me, that's what's going to flow out of me. If there's jealousy in me, that's going to flow out of me. But if there's peace, joy, love, I go through the whole list of fruit of the Spirit. We don't put those in ourselves. Those are deposits from our loving Father. In Galatians, Paul tells us this, you, you, my brothers, were called to be free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Don't use the, your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, <clears throat> serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is summed up, is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. That's what we got to do for 99 days. If you bite and devour each other, watch out or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Again, you know, if for 99 days, if, if, you know, if I was biting that cat and cat was biting at Dina and Dina was biting at whoever else was volunteering, you know, this is real stuff. And the reality is this is real stuff that really can go on in places of worship. I'm sad to say that. But he says, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So that leads me to my next point. Guard the tongue. Guard the tongue. Is there a guard on your tongue? Is there a guard on your tongue? Psalmist says, set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Maybe that's like some, a verse for somebody to memorize today. It's not very many words. Set a guard over my mouth, Lord. Keep watch. Even this last part of that. Even if you just learned the last part of that. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Because sometimes when we're praying about something, then we become accountable to it. And then we have opportunity to open my lips and say something that we shouldn't say. Oh, wait, I just prayed. Maybe I shouldn't say that. Set a guard over the, my mouth, Lord. James tells us this, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. What comes out of our mouth? What comes out of our mouth? This is a test. A test. How do we speak to one another? How do we speak to people? How do we care for people? Third point. Remember grace. Remember where you came from. And I'm 
Can you give an example from one of the parables about what I mean by this? Matthew 18. Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. Be patient, he's crying out. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found, out, found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I will pay it back. But he refused. So let's pause here for a minute in the, in the account. This man begs for forgiveness, begs for time, begs for this, beg, and receives it. And then finds someone in the very same situation that he was in who's begging for it, and he refuses. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant. He said, I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servants just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. It's a test. We're tested. We're tested. We received grace. I received grace. I receive grace all the time. You receive grace. I have to demonstrate it. I have to model it. You have to model it. We have to model it. And when I say all this, I say all this, that we will do all of it imperfectly. I'm not suggesting perfection. I'm suggesting that we have to pay attention to what the Word says always. And for 99 days, we were tested in this. How do you treat people? How do you treat people who are walking in the door? How do you treat one another? Before I get to this verse, there's another example in Scripture, and I don't have it up here, but I wrote it in my notes. We all know the story of the prodigal. These two brothers. One brother was faithful to his father, worked hard every day. The other one said he was going to set out and carouse for a while and do whatever he wanted with his inheritance, and he found out pretty quickly that it wasn't all that it was cracked up to be. And he came came home to his father, and his father threw a party for him. His father welcomed him home. And the brother who had never left, the brother who had stuck around, it's like, why is he getting a party? I've been, I've been here all along. I've been faithful, Dad. You didn't throw a party for me. You're, you're showing grace to this brother who took his inheritance and splurged and 
was irresponsible. I've been responsible. But the father says to him, but everything I've had has been yours all along. Everything here is for you. But he couldn't celebrate his brother's return because he didn't have, he didn't minister the grace. He didn't minister the grace. The last way to pass a test. Stay tuned to his voice. Stay tuned to his voice. John tells us, very truly, I tell you, Pharisees, these are the words of Jesus, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The only way access to Jesus is through him. The only access, the only way into the gate is through Jesus. He's the gate. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them all out on his own, he goes on ahead of them and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. And my encouragement with this is, man, we have to listen to his voice every single day. No matter what assignment we're called to, whether it's opening our doors for nine nineties, we have to stay in tune with his voice. We have to hear our instructions. You know, there were many, many opportunities for us to do many, many different things during these 99 days. All kinds of people called us and contacted us and says, can I do this? Can I do that? Can I have this? Can I, can I do this? And we didn't say yes to all of them. Sometimes the answer was no. But you have to listen. We have to listen. We have to listen. In our open door class today, we looked up a few verses about The fact that Holy Spirit is always working in us. He's always doing something. He's always, and I ask everybody to kind of what to answer the question, what's he working in you? What's he doing in you? What because it's not it doesn't stop. We sing a song right about that. He never stops. He never stops working. He never stops. He never stops working. He's always working. The question that we have to personalize and ask is: what's he working in me? Because there's a it's a difference between ho-hum religion and some religious obligation. I go to church because of this, because I, you know, I'm obligated or I should do it, as opposed to, no, I want more of you, Jesus. I want, I want everything you have for me. I want you to be working in me all the time. I want you to be changing me, transforming me, because I always need more. We sang that today, more, 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 Lord, more, more, more. And we don't sing that song out of some sense of greed we sing out of some sense of urgency that I know that yesterday's blessing isn't enough. I know that there's still refining work you need to do in me. I know the work is ongoing. And so, 
When I say pay attention to his voice, it's because he's always wanting to show you something else that he wants to do. And there's times in my life where I'm like, Lord, what else do you want? That's an indication that I think I've arrived or something. That I think there's nothing else for me to learn. Well, there's always something for us to learn. There's always some new revelation of Scripture to apply to our lives. And so paying attention to His voice. So these four things, pay attention to His voice. Guard your mouth. Remember your grace. Die to yourself. They were all part of a test. They'll be part of ongoing tests. I believe we passed the test. I believe we passed the test. I don't say that boastfully. But I believe we passed the test. We take no credit for it. He did it. It's because of any, anything we were able to accomplish was because he did it. He did it in us. And he's still doing it in us. And if we ever think that we're all that, we'll find out real quick that we're not. Something will happen. We'll face some situation where we find ourselves on our knees, and that's a great place to be. It's a great place to be. We have more strangers to invite. I don't know what all they look like. We have more people to love on, to care for. There'll be more demands put on us. And I'm just telling you up front, I will sign us up without ever asking you. Hey, we're doing the car cruise this week in Salem. I talk about strangers who are going to come up to our table to buy t-shirts and auction items, put tickets in baskets for auction items. For four days, we get to be in the heart of a, one of Salem's largest community events. And the same demands, the same things we looked at right here will be upon us. Die to yourself. Remember the grace. I'm not going to reiterate them all again. But remember these things. Whatever it is we get to do. And the reality is, we get to do it every day of life, whether we're doing a project or just living life. Because your life matters. Who you're rubbing elbows with in your everyday life matters. Who you get to encounter along the way matters. It's not happenstance. 
Our steps are ordered, and we recognize that. And when we live life like that, there will be fruit. There will be fruit. going long here. I'm going to close with this passage and I'm going to return to Job. Here's what Job has to say quite a few chapters later after he says, why do you test me every moment? He says, he knows the way that I take. And I want you to personalize this because it's important. He knows the way that I take. When he has tested me, I will come forth as gold. I don't know that we all always have that revelation as Job did. Because sometimes when you're in the middle of the test, you can't see that. He got it. I will come forth as gold. My feet have closely followed his steps. And Job wasn't boasting or bragging. He wasn't patting himself on the back saying, I'm all that. He just knew who who he was in his relationship with the Father. He was confident of that. My feet have closely followed his steps. I've kept to his way without turning aside. I have not departed from the commands of his lips. I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread. And that's a, that's a pretty quick snapshot of how Holy Spirit wants us to live. Walking closely keeping our feet, following his steps, keeping his way without turning aside. Scriptures say, don't turn to the left, don't turn to the right. Keeping his way without turning aside, not departing from his commands, from the Scriptures, the things we know to be true. Treasuring, treasuring the Scriptures, the words of his mouth, more than we do that piece of toast in the morning. Oh, he's going to, he wants to pray for me. This is Adam. Uh, are you talking about following the Holy Spirit? You're talking about following the, the voice of the Holy Spirit. You just tell me to get around this here and pray for him. I'll take it. Any man that wants to come up here and support your pastor, come on up here and let's pray for this man. Any man, any man, you know who you are. You know if you want to do this or not. I'll take it. Thank you, Jesus, for the gift you gave this man. Speak from his heart, not just from his brain, but from his heart. You're going to give him new things. You're going to give him new words, new excitement in his heart, new rejuvenation in his body. From the head to the toes, he's going to be, he's going to be full of your spirit. Just ask that he'd be willing, open, not too excited, not too, not too loose, not too unready, but just open and willing to accept 
what it is you have for him. Love, compassion, tenderness, meekness, all those things. I'm be just refreshed in his, in his mind. All the things he learned when he was young, I'll let him forget him now. Let him have new meaning, new direction. You called him, you purposed him. You're going to equip him. Love him, care about him. I want to see him last for a long time. As long as you have for him. <laughs> until you're old, until you're so old. <laughs> uh, thank you so much. Uh, It'll be awesome, Fred. Mm. Just lift it up, lift it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Speak it out. Speak it out. You got it. Thank you, Lord. Father, we love our brother. We are thankful, Lord, for what you have done and are doing in our midst because of this man you have called. Lord, we just want to draw closer to your heart that his heart will be overwhelmed at the love that he sees his people, Lord. Help him, Lord, and continue to pour into his life and his family. Keep him safe, keep him strong, Lord, and keep him excited and hunger for you every day that we might benefit and profit from the words that you wish Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. 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 Yeshua. Yes, Lord. Yeshua. Yes. Yes, Lord. Yeshua, we love you. Yes, Lord. We can come before you in prayer. Yes. We don't have to hide anything. Yes. We're not hiding anything. Yes. We're loving you just the way we are. Full of whatever it is we're full of. We're bringing it before you and asking you to fill us with you. Fill us up. Let us go forth as men. As an example to the world of what it's supposed to be as a yes, man. Yes, yes, Lord. Guided, directed, uplifted by your spirit. Yes, Lord. Praise God. Love you too. Thank you. Sometimes the Holy Spirit turns the tables on you. Get him, Lord. He's he's got me.
if anybody else needs prayer. There's lots of people who will pray for you. 